So each year on this first Sunday after the Epiphany, we celebrate the feast of the baptism of our Lord, and we hear some version of the gospel lesson that we just heard read about Jesus' baptism. We are entering fully now into the season of Epiphany, that time of the church year between Christmas and Lent, when we hear stories of epiphanies, those ordinary moments that turn into extraordinary revelations. During this season in church, we hear about a mysterious star, exotic travelers with expensive gifts, a dove descending and God's voice coming from heaven. We will hear in weeks to come about a wedding where ordinary water is turned into wine, a fishing trip that starts as a bust but ends up with nets suddenly filled with unimaginable amounts of fish, and a hike up a mountain which ends with Jesus' clothes becoming dazzling white. These epiphany stories are wonderful parts of our faith tradition, and they can bring us to our own aha moments about who Jesus is. And yet, they also perhaps run the risk of causing us to long for our own stories of epiphany and can cause us to wonder if God is indeed still speaking to us today. Because I don't know about you, but lately I haven't been visited by mysterious visitors bearing gold, nor seen the heavens split open, nor sadly had a glass of water, much less jugs upon jugs of water turned into fine wine or even subpar wine. And from time to time, I get a little annoyed by what feels like God's silence. Okay, actually I get more than a little annoyed. I get sad, I get angry, and I think to myself, come on, if only God could just come on a bit stronger from time to time. If the heavens could open right now and God's voice come bounding out over these loudspeakers and a dove come flying in, we'd pay attention, right? If God started showing up a little more often with abundant gifts and dazzling lights, this whole Jesus thing might be an easier sell. Our pews might be fuller, our pledge numbers higher. So interestingly enough, Christian historian John Dominic Crossan writes that the story of Jesus' baptism was an acute embarrassment for the early church, but not for the reasons we might think today. It wasn't because of the mystical aspects. No, they were fine with the idea of the Holy Spirit taking the form of the dove, the heavens splitting open, the voice of God booming out. What they didn't like was the implication that Jesus got baptized at all, much less as part of a throng of people in the muddy waters of the Jordan River and by some itinerant preacher prophet dressed in animal skins who ended up in jail. What was the Son of God thinking, rubbing elbows with the great unwashed, admitting a need for repentance, and beyond that, God chose that moment to appear and claim Jesus and call him beloved. 
Jesus hadn't done a darn thing besides drip water from his nose and hair like everyone else who was dipped into the Jordan that day. Perhaps the early church had a point. If I'm going to be very honest for a moment, which is harder for me to believe in? Maybe the miraculous part of the baptism story is indeed more credible than the idea that Jesus takes his place among sinners. That God says Jesus is loved for no particular reason. Maybe it is more comfortable to believe that God only showed up in those miraculous ways in a time long ago and far away. Maybe I prefer the idea of God being dramatic and unattainable as opposed to having to face the possibility that God is right next to me in the familiar, messy, everydayness of my life. Author Debbie Thomas writes, Here's my real problem with this liturgical season of Epiphany. I always, always have a choice. And most of the time, I don't want it. I want God's revelations to bowl me over. I expect Epiphany to come in ways that leave me choiceless, powerless, and flattened in awe. I want a divine encounter that will free me of all doubts from all time so that I literally pulse with faith." End quote. Yeah. But as Thomas points out, God doesn't insult us with such little agency. God could overpower us and overwhelm us and make us incapable of choosing any other way than God's way, but here's the thing. That's not how God works, no matter how much we wish it were different. We have to choose to notice the miraculous around us. Because the places where God shows up are likely to be similar to the muddy waters of the Jordan, surrounded by broken, unwashed, sinful people, people like me and people like you. Because however we like to paint the picture, the truth is that as clear as these miracles in the Bible look to us from our vantage point some 2,000 years later, the truth is our sacred scriptures don't tell us that they were that crystal clear when they were happening. After all, who saw the star? A few dream-interpreting, fortune-telling outsiders from another country who happened to be paying attention. Who heard the voice from heaven that day or saw the dove? Perhaps a gathering of people at the edge of a river, people desperate for a sign to turn their lives around. Who followed Jesus and ended up seeing and doing extraordinary things? Fishermen who were having a bad day, a tax collector who was tired of the life he was leading, a few brothers who were wandering aimlessly down a road. But those are the moments that were heartbreakingly beautiful that we turned to. They were life-changing, mind-blowing, God-present. And that hasn't changed. God is here every day, every minute, every second, and we have the choice to listen to hear that we, too, are beloved of God, that we are deeply, deeply loved, 
not because of anything we've done to earn it, but because God has deemed it so. Can we bear that message? Can we embrace such mind-bending truth without flinching away in self-consciousness, cynicism, or shame? Can we let ourselves be seen dripping wet and vulnerable and straining to hear the voice of God amidst this all-too-busy and noisy world we exist in? Sometimes I wonder if the difference between the epiphanies we read about in our sacred texts are actually at all different from the way God speaks to us today, or if the difference is that someone was brave enough to notice them, write them down, and pass them on. That like the magi following the star, they were paying attention, and they weren't afraid to listen to the voice inside them that whispered, something's happening here. Look, is the sun shining a little bit brighter? Has that cloud shifted just a little? What's that bird doing there? What's this voice that seems to be coming from the heavens itself? Or is it just inside of me? Does it matter? Look, listen, we are God's own, God's children. We are God's beloved. So what now? In the name of the one who loves us and has given us life. Amen.